Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode number 38. We are really digging this bi-weekly thing, by the way, because it gives us time to work on the studio, it gives us time to improve our equipment, it gives us time to start getting ready for more video content on our YouTube channel. However, this week, I didn't mean to cut you off, but... No, you're good, go ahead. I'll do it again. (laughs) Uh, But uh, this week, we're going to go over the Glock Feldmesser 78 and 81 field knives, which are super cool. That's going to be our history segment. Uh, Buck Knives just released a little nugget of news, which I'm really excited about. I was more excited about that than I thought I'd be, but that's as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that was a really good move. I'm like a Buck 110 freak, yeah. so yeah, it's so <laughs> perfect. Uh, we are also covering this week one of your harrowing tales of knife usage, and uh, I think we're going to wrap Freeform about a couple of little things that are going on in our shops and in our lives, so stay tuned. We'll be back after the intro music that you guys love so much. And here we are after that lovely intro music. Welcome back, everybody. This is Matt Martin <laughs> sitting across from James Stewart. How are you doing, Jim? I am excellent today. I had a really good day today. Good. It was good. It was good. It's a good day. I had I had grinder therapy today. Oh, where 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 it's just like Zen, where you sit there and oh, you just grind. That's and, that's it. And you're mm-hmm. you're kind of nervous, like it was a complex knife, mm-hmm. and and so I was sweating, like literally like armpit sweating. <laughs> And I'm a freehand grinder, so it doesn't take much to go completely sideways. Um, and it had like a tapered fuller and a nightmare grind, and it was kind of this crazy. It was, it was like a, the nightmare had a nightmare kind I, of a grind. I, Matt showed yeah. it to me earlier, and we and we can't talk about it or any any real specifics. But let me tell you guys, it thing was the coolest version. I just, of this knife I've ever thanks, seen. Jim. I it hate was, compliments, awesome. so I'm going to interrupt I, you. I, I do, <laughs> too. I love giving compliments, <laughs> I hate them, but, yeah. but I also hate receiving them. But, man, it was really, really good work. I just, oh. You guys out there who make knives, everybody has their thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what's your thing, Jim? I mean, your handle work, like your inlay, spacer, angular, <laughs> I, I can't yeah. even touch that. So what is your zen thing in the shop? Like, mm. not what do you want to be zen, but mm-hmm. what is your zen thing? Well, it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely the angled spacers that I love putting in so much. But um, in a full tang knife, they are a complete pain in the butt. Oh God! Yes. I hate doing them in oh. the full tang. It's not it's not even it's not a Zen thing. It's a it's a point of stress for me. <laughs> it's like uh, you know? uh, what are they endoscopy or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't like a great trip to the dentist. This no. is like somebody putting something in my butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's kind of what that is. But yeah, I agree. But uh, on a on a hidden tang knife, man, I will do those all day, and they will all fit perfectly. They, I just got a really good method. They um, do. Like, I'm jealous yeah. of it. And and Thanks. I don't want to do it yeah. bad enough to have you give me a tutorial. <laughs> I'd rather just look at your knives and be like, how do you do that? <laughs> right. Just leave it a mystery. Yeah. But no, Um. but you've seen my joinings before. I do all sorts of any angle that you can think of in a straight line. And of course, any radius. Yeah. Oh, that, I know. That, yeah. That, that you can do any, any one single solid radius. I've even, there was one time and I'll never do it again. I did, I did a compound radius. Oh, you did like an was, S spline or whatever. it was whatever. like an S thing. Yeah. And, um, it looked like garbage. So I have to try that again at some point. But, um, but, um, I've made several customs where, where it was like a really tight fitting ferrule, like Japanese style. And then right behind it was like a two inch radius you know, on, on, on the ferrule. And then you have to match that perfectly because doing it negatively is really easy. You put on the two inch contact wheel and the plate and you go, 
and then there's all of a sudden your two inch wheel, but you have to hand shape the other side. That's what guys who are good at what yeah. they do. They always are like, it's super easy. And I'm like, dude, I've got a two inch wheel. I can't do that. Like it just doesn't come out right. However, my Zen is forward of the guard. Sure. Like yeah. handles are yeah. such an afterthought to me. I wish I could have some, and I, I take a lot of time to try to make sure that they're comfortable and stuff like that. But really I, there's like riding a motorcycle and bevel grinding. And that's, that's it. Like those are, those are my things. It shows though. I mean, like your bevel grinds are super crisp and they're, and they're, and they're good and they're even, I mean, I'm like, I I mean, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's like, I've like, I've stepped up my flat grinding game like dramatically, like over the last year. I mean, it's like, so it was like at the beginning of the year ago, the last time you gave me a tutorial back when you were in the shop, I was like, I was like, I was like, I have a long way to go. And that was okay. It was like, if, if 100% is a perfect grind, I was like 60%. Right now, right. I'm like 68 percent. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> and, yeah. You know, so so, but that's but that's actually a long way. But like, uh, oh, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, nice, good, good point. Yeah, that's good <laughs> yeah. radio right so, there. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm a pro, Matt. I want you to know. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's important for you guys out there mm-hmm. listening, especially the makers. You know, what is? And I don't care if you're a maker or not. You have to have that one Zen thing in your job, in your hobby, mm-hmm. whether it's a trade, vocation, or some cubicle laden misery. I couldn't do it. There has to be a point in whatever you're doing that you really enjoy doing it. And you will be best at that. Like that's the thing that comes natural and and you'll excel. And that's the thing. So it's it's like, not only are you naturally good at it, you'll actually work to get better at it because you, because you'll be self-critical about it. Right. So you'll, you'll sit down and you'll be like, I'm already feeling a hundred percent on this. There's not many people that I know that are better than me at it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to work more at it. I can already see some imperfections, so let's refine those. And then all of a sudden you discover that you're actually pretty freaking good at that one thing. And then people look to you, look up to you for that's, that thing. That's, yeah, that's such you know? a weird thing because mm-hmm. I, I, what I do a lot of times is I'll, uh, I'll I, actually I haven't done it so much in the past few years, but I used to spend hours pouring over photographs on the internet about people's knives, not because of their designs or anything, but because their execution. Mm-hmm. And you can look at, like the smallest feature. I don't care if it's like the curve of a guard or it's the way that, you know, this guard angles in relation to that blade spine, mm-hmm. or maybe it's their pin placement on their handles. And you'd be like, man, that guy was a genius. He does that a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, Bob Loveless is such a great um, example of this because it's so simple. And yeah. It's everything from the arch spine to an increased <clears throat> angle of attack on the blade. Um, his handle shape was always kind of, impossible for me to quantify and figure sure. out. I still can't nail a loveless handle no matter how many times <laughs> yeah. I try. We, we do something very close. You guys are real we're, close. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're pretty close, but it's still not exact. It's right. Crazy. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. He had a formula that I've yet to crack when it comes to that. But when you see these innovations that people use, um, you don't need to plagiarize them. You can honestly apply the, the spirit of the innovation to your work and end up elevating your own work with your own, as Todd Begg says, face on it. Yes. There, there goes Absolutely. the heater. Yep. There's the heat yeah. fan. You guys can pick that up. We'll, I'm pro- sure. we'll probably turn that off for the second segment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's my one big thing, but uh, enough of that, Jim, what are you carrying today? Anything interesting? Let me just start with that. Are you carrying anything interesting? No. Okay. <laughs> I am carrying something interesting. <coughs> yeah. Uh, this is, this is like, I love this knife. It's cool. This is a knife that I actually traded off of Jim uh, before the podcast even existed. 
he came back from what show was it that you? It was the Badger Knife Show. Uh, so there was the great, there was the not the Badger Knife Show, but the Great Lakes Knife Show, which happens, I believe, around the same time as the Badger Knife Show in the Midwestern United States. It's down in Wisconsin. When is that? Um, it was October the last time I went. So you know, we're talking, we're talking, probably probably happened a couple weeks ago. Oh, I just don't know oh, about it. Yeah, we probably should have um, into that. That was uh, it's it was headed up by um by a gentleman who we actually buy handle material from. His name is Mike Blaskowitz and uh, Sasquatch. Yeah. Uper Squatch. Uh, Uper Squatch. I, I saw Mike yeah. and Blade, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, Jim Jim shows up, and, you know, I like Leverlock autos. Like, I'm obsessed with Leverlock autos. I don't have nearly enough of them, but I've had a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he shows up with this Hubertus Leverlock auto in black micarta, mm-hmm. which I'm a fan of that over any of the natural materials. Nickel, silver, coined bolsters. Oh, yeah. And hang on, it's a spear point, so it's a real practical blade, right? Just yep. a regular spear. It looks like it came right out of a Swiss Army knife, but it's souped up just a little bit in size. And engraved on the blade is the Harley Davidson <laughs> bar and shield with wings on it. And it's black and orange. And I'm like, dude, I've wanted that knife for so friggin' long. I had seen it at G8, just to date myself. I had seen it at, at the, uh, the USN gathering mm-hmm. number eight. Right. And I wanted it, but I didn't buy it because I couldn't justify it. And Jim shows up with the exact same knife. And I, w- I, I gave him a custom. Like, I was like, I'll trade you for that. And I was like, I got to have it. I, I think we both went out on that one, man. That custom you gave me was sweet. Uh, I'm glad you like cool. it. Yeah. But I, I decided to start carrying it because I, I love my Buck 110s. I was just over at Huckleberry Goodnesson's of Ghost Town Custom Knives. And, and he does so much custom 110 work that when you leave his house you immediately go to the knife drawer and pull out your buck 110 because you realize how cool it really is. Well, they can be a little bit on the heavy side for me, especially in a shop environment. And I carry so much other garbage in my pants, you know? So I was just <laughs> like, I guess that sounds weird. But yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, so I saw this and I said, this hits all the cues. It is a one hand opening automatic knife spear point for utility mm-hmm. has the, the bar and shield on it, which I think is cool. And the color combo is just right. Um, it has a pretty decent edge on it. I, I hand whipped an edge. It's okay. I will be touching it up later. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this knife. And after carrying it for just shy of a week now, uh, I'm I'm thrilled with it. And I, I honestly, it's part of my now EDC rotation next to my PM2. Sweet. Yeah, That's I awesome. love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> That's super cool. So yeah. Okay. So that, that's about it. Uh, oh, do, oh. Let's come back and talk to the news. All talk, right. talk about the news. All right. See you guys in a minute. Jim, do you have any rituals when you get a new knife? Like something that you oh, do okay. every okay. time you get a new I, knife? I do. I do. I do. I do. So, so always when I get a new knife, there's always like ancillary packaging. Oh, okay. right. Right. Yeah. There's always like some sort of a bag or some sort of a sealed thing or something. The first thing I do is I cut that packaging with the knife. Oh, good call. That's the right. maiden cut, right? Right. right. That's, that's the, that's the maiden cut because, because like I did it with your grunt. Remember, remember, remember you handed yes. me the grunt and, and the first thing I did to open the sheath was I took the knife and I went, that first thing is that first satisfying, beautiful, yes. just like plunge and slice through it's just this glorious feeling that that can never be replicated ever again until you buy another knife that's the first cut right yeah cut it's ever it's ever again so that it's that that's your ritual Mm -hmm. i have two i have i have a 24 hour familiarization period where it really doesn't leave my hand and even Mm -hmm. my wife can attest to this like 
sometimes I'll fall asleep with it in my hand <laughs> and I get used to it. I get used to tip up, tip down. I get used sure. to how it feels. I get used to reversing my grips with it. I get used to all that stuff. But the second ritual I have with not every single knife, because I do have some collector's pieces, um, but with every knife that I intend to use as an everyday carry or as a field mm-hmm. knife or whatever it is, is I take it to the KME sharpener sure, and I establish a perfect edge. Right, just just like ritual, boom, there it, it is. That well, it mm-hmm. shows me the once you get some experience using your KME sharpener, mm-hmm. you understand and you can relate to this totally. Sure, the quality of the steel that you're actually working with. Oh yeah, no, you can feel it right away. It's a yeah, con- yeah, it's yeah, a consistent yeah. control, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You especially using like the diamond stones that are on there. If you're not experimenting with stones and whatnot, yeah, you you're like, okay, I know exactly the wear resistance on the steel, right? And that it that tells you volumes. It tells you so much more than just an internet forum piece yep. by somebody who didn't like the way the handle fit. You know what uh, I mean? Uh, right. Oh, the steel's garbage too you know what i mean so you have this kind of wood and metal laboratory that comes out of this plastic case (laughs) and you open up your cami sharpener you put your knife in there you already know where it's supposed to be set in the jaws you line it up i I didn't know but luckily the guys over at kme were super helpful and they they (laughs) coached me like don't put it there that's why your tip's so wide like oh no i understand all right cool but now i have this kind of home lab that gives me feedback on the steel it also establishes this really true flat insanely sharp edge even in the the lower grip it's supremely consistent it is oh yeah and Mm -hmm. and boom now if i'm in the field i have this nice flat edge that wasn't sharpened by you know dave at the knife factory on a wednesday it was Mm -hmm. perfectly sharpened due to this guided system and the kme sharpener the edge that it produces, it allows me to set it on a stone easier mm-hmm. to maintain it later in the field. Oh, yeah. Now, absolutely. After, after a year of that, you'll probably have to take it back because you'll slightly convex it or whatever uh, it is. Anything you do by hand. Yep. It, always, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not always. robots. Uh, absolutely. We're not guided sharpening systems Correct. like the KME. So there is so much more than just having a sharp knife because it gives you the feedback. The KME system gives you the feedback on the steel that you're working with. And it also kind of lays the groundwork for easier field sharpening because you can feel that you know where you set the apex of the bevel and then it rocks to the edge you can you can feel it and you know it's sitting flat Mm -hmm. and and you take it up you strop it off whatever it is and you're good to go so i would say from the knife lab standpoint a kme (laughs) sharpening system is an indispensable tool to have if you're a knife enthusiast plus it also gives you that that ritual when you get your new knife that you can set that edge at the degree that you want. They're all graduated degrees engraved Mm -hmm. on the unit. And so I I don't know, I can't say enough about it. And the reason I can't say enough about it is because I have literally dozens and dozens of hours into using it. (laughs) And it's, it's honestly, it's a great thing to have as a knife user, knife enthusiast, knife collector, knife refurbisher. I don't care what it is you do. If you handle knives in either professional or recreational capacity, Please get yourself a KME sharpening system. Where can they get them, Jim? You can find KME sharpeners at www.kmesharp.com for all of their options. And it's an absolutely fantastic product. I believe their website also includes their dealer network so that you can order it from their dealers as well. Absolutely. So if you have a preferred dealer, they might already be there. There you go. And we are back. 
All right, with some uh, with some awesome. Night oh, you, okay. He's. I, I was like, dude, I don't know all the details. You have to click the <laughs> button to bring up the window, and now we're live. We are live. Look at that. The site can't be reached. There what are is. we gonna do? We reached it. Mm-hmm. Ready for talking of this? This. So I saw this actually on Facebook. Somebody had posted on our page, and we decided to do a little bit, a uh, little bit further research on this, but. Buck gives 110 and 112 models EDC friendly upgrades. I thought that this was actually like a really clever way to kind of like, <clears throat> I don't know if reinvent is the proper word here, but but they definitely um, added a new type of flair and it definitely changes that weight problem that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, well, you know? man, I just, I love the 110s. I love right? the polish on the brass. I love the fit and finish. I love the simplicity and the effectiveness and the timelessness. The weight can be, not on, not every day, but there are days where I'm like, dude, I don't want to carry around this pound and a half knife, and <laughs> and they did it. They kept up with the Joneses. I think it's I I think it's a home run. I'm gonna get one. I'm in love with this friggin' knife. I haven't been this excited since the Buck 110 Auto. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trend here that I'm seeing yeah, is that yeah. is that we follow so follow follow what Buck does. So. Yet another Buck Knives line extension is hitting the market in form of slim models for the 110 Folding Hunter and the 112 Ranger. So what I'm getting from this, and I'm not reading from the article anymore, I'm just talking. Um, <clears throat> so, this article that we are not reading from, just talking about, is on knifenews.com, by the way. So. <laughs> you, can, you can absolutely check it out for yourself there. Um, you could also go to our Facebook page and see what was posted about that as well. I believe it was a different article other than the Knife News article. So that's cool. So the slim model is is really just um like eighth inch micarta as a scale which i it's which, still it's still locked back but it's not just eighth inch micarta it is if i'm not mistaken a pocket clip and a thumb stud and solid eighth inch micarta slabs yeah now i don't know if there's a liner in there or not can you pull up uh buckknives.com there we go let's see oh, there's the instagram oh Yep, that's the Instagram. Can you can you pull it up on their website see if they have uh, yeah, more here, specs hang on. on it? Hang on, hang on. One thing I do know is that on the slim models, they are offering them in the 420HC, which is masterfully heat treated, right. of course. Oh, it's a deep carry clip. Oh, Look at that. It, with a little anvil cut mm-hmm. out, which is not my favorite. I'm not going to lie. The, uh, <laughs> the pocket clip is great, except for the angle. I'm sure somebody will come out with some really cool custom aftermarket mm-hmm. clips for it. Um, let's see. What colors do they offer? Uh, right now, it is just Micarta or G10, S30V... S30V oh, and FRN. Looks like they're offering it in some kind of nylon. Let's mm-hmm. see. Folding Hunter LT, Slim Knife Select. That's an FRN. Oh, but that looks hot. Yeah, pull that up. Which one? This one? The 112. So the 112 is smaller than the 110. Right. And it makes... Oh, it's, look at that. I mean, we're looking at Endura versus Delica, I would say. Yeah, I would I would say that's a really good comparison because because it's the solid nylon handle, mm. you know, and, uh, and and you still get a really, really solid knife for a good price. And then, and then of course, the nylon handles look like they come in, in four different colors as well. You got black, red, blue, and toxic green. And Which I'm sure that'll fly off the shelf. Uh, not to my pocket, <laughs> but... <laughs> go, go back to the Micarta version. Yeah, let's go that. Oh, uh, I think... The Micarta and S30B. Oh, oh that, it comes, that's G10. Oh, it's G10. That, I'm sorry. That, that one's G10. I can okay. kind of tell by sight on that one, but but uh, but it's like still a cool. Sage green, a black, and a brown. Is yes. that what we're seeing? Yes. So there's yeah, there's black. Uh, oh, that, that oh. One's, that, that's canvas Micarta. That's Yo, brown oh, canvas. Oh yes, it is. So looks like looks like black linen, 
brown canvas, and a green G10. What are they calling? Let's see, handle OD green micarta. They're saying that's OD green micarta. They may have their colors wrong because it looks like a sage green, which is not yeah. my favorite. I'd like to see some of these in hand because if it's OD, I'm all over it. Uh, yeah, it's tough to tell directly off the internet because, you know, pictures and colors and monitors. Right. right. You know, that whole thing. But that that sage definitely looks like it's G10 to me. So it looks like a, what we would call uh, ranger green. What, yeah, exactly. We would yeah, call that yeah. one Ranger Green. So they're calling it S30V Vanadium, which I don't know if that is a different alloy than CPM S30V I traditionally. Thought the, I thought the V stood for Vanadium. I, it, <laughs> it does, indeed. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, this thing just looks hot. It looks mm-hmm. lightweight. It looks like you get your choice between, let's just say in the 112s, they're going to be a little smaller. So you have like the Mini Grip Tillion, you have the Delica, and you have the S or the 112 Slim. Right. And I... I'm pumped over this. Like, I think this is a great one-handed. It has the look and jive of a slip joint, but it's got the functionality of a practical one-hand opening knife. And I think there's pretty limitless modification possibilities to this, which is also exciting. Oh, yeah. The aftermarket Absolutely. guys, the, the Shade Tree guys are going to do titanium scales. And, oh, I would. Right, I mean, like, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make somebody aftermarket scales for this. Right. This is this is, this is is easy. I mean, I mean, they definitely they definitely opened it up. Um. What is, what is what is Buck's position on on aftermarket mods like that? Uh, it has changed over the years. And I know they this used is, to be pretty draconian. Yeah, th- this is something we honestly we need to have Huck on the show to talk about because he knows a so much. I mean, Chuck Buck had a huge collection of his mm-hmm. father's knives. Um, he knows that process intimately as far as what the warranty oh, and what they want. I do not. So that's something we could have him sit in and, and talk to us about. Cause 100%. he does crazy stuff. Yeah. Plus Huck's a cool dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's yeah awesome. I've known him yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been friends for many, many, many years, <laughs> probably closing in on 20 years of Holy, being friends. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's available on uh, bucknives.com and you can absolutely check out all the, all the stuff there. Um, you can actually get custom engraving in it and block or script. I mean, two different, two different fonts directly from the website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate engraving. I hate blending engraving. I mean, I like bolster engraving by like masterful engravers that do like uh, banknote quality right. stuff. But it's like, if it just said like Cletus on the blade, I'm like, come on, Cletus. We know it's your knife, dude. Yeah. I, I think I know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> Buck 110 Slim, it says Cletus. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll seriously kill you. Like, and on the other side, it says uh, Dio. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, definitely check that out. I think this is a brilliant move by Buck to try to kind of spice up what is what is was really a classic American knife. Yeah, um, not cheap actually. I'm looking. This is the Pro line with the S30V blade. Yep. Uh, they're coming in MSRP 110. So I would expect, and this is totally ignorant, but just with my knowledge of the industry, I would expect that you'd be seeing these 80 to 90 bucks on the shelf at dealers. That's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. You, you typically typically dealer MSRP to dealers like what what. 10 to 20 percent 10 to 20 off and, msrp and, and, yeah. and in in there i mean and that's 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 really good i mean so uh you're, you're still sub 100 bucks for yes. a decent knife with a decent steel made well put together nicely and he treated so, see that's the thing mm-hmm. about buck and this oh, is super like consistent a, right buck com- this isn't a buck commercial i'm just a right. buck fan but the paul boz heat treat is the recipes are second to none so they can get more out of 420 hc than a lot of guys are getting out of uh, 1095 or, or, or no no like even some of the more Gucci steels oh you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely it, because they're just following the basic recipe instead of knowing right you know some of some of the some of the specific ins and outs yeah he was a master so, before his, his retirement mm-hmm. but uh yeah so super excited about this I think this is 
to me, this is a big deal when it comes to news because here's a company that's been around forever. You guys listen to the history segment if you want to hear exactly how long on like one of our earlier episodes. Mm -hmm. But they are keeping up with the times. And I think they waited to see where they could settle and be comfortable and have longevity as they did in their other models. And this is a great opportunity. I, I will get one of these. I'm as excited about this as you are as about that Doug Ritter, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I was going to bring that up. That's oh, right. yeah. I totally forgot about that. I pre-ordered Doug Ritter's RSK G2. G2? Yes. Yes. I'm nodding as if I know. So, so hold on. I have to look up the specific name of it. But as soon as the pre-order went up, I, I put in my order for it because, you know, we love Doug Ritter. We want we want to we want to see do him do well, especially with with his knife rights, with his knife rights endeavor. Yeah. That, that was uh, a portion of the proceeds from this model went mm-hmm. towards knife rights, right? I believe so. Yeah. That's so cool. that's the Doug Ritter RSK MK1 G2. And so uh, that, was, that was after he left Benchmade, but it's a knife work knife knife works exclusive. I believe we talked about this on the podcast, a couple, did, yeah. you know, about four weeks ago, which is two episodes ago now. Um, and uh, it's it looks really solid. I mean, you can tell that it's going to have good fit and finish. It's got the access lock on it. Uh, good price. Pragmatic for days. Pragmatic. Yep. Yeah. No. So I uh, I had pre-ordered it and got my pre-order set. So now I'm just waiting for it. And we will give you guys a nice, sexy review of it when it comes in. I'm looking forward to it. Yo, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Yep. So. <clears throat> so absolutely. All right. So um, I think we're moving on. Are we? Or. Yeah. We're kind of slamming yeah. through this one. Um, apologies. But uh, yeah, we just uh, we have a few things that we want to touch on and we want to make sure that there's time allotted for everything. So we will be back with a history segment on the Glockfeld Messer. What's happening, guys? Earlier, you heard me talk about the consistency of the KME sharpening system. And unless I'm getting experimental, quote-unquote, I stick to the diamond stones, but the reality is, is I love the experimentation. And when you want to experiment to see, you have that known control of your favorite steel with the optimum heat treat in your favorite knife. You have the known control of the KME guided system or whatever guided system that you choose. Now it's time to branch out and find out what will produce the very best edge. And at this point, I'm getting ready to dive headlong into the Suihiro stones that I got from Genda Industries, and I am going to apply them to this Hubertus lever lock auto that I've been carrying for the last week because I figured, you know what, there's no time like the present to reach out to try one of the great products that I picked up from Genda Industries and really see what all the hype is about. Kind of, I would say, level up in my sharpening skills, and the only way to do that is with premium media. And the place to get premium media is GendaIndustries.com. Whether it's diamond stones, the Japanese water stones, it could be the shaped in glass stones. I mean, there's infinite depth and breadth to their catalog as far as what you can use either freehand or on your favorite guided sharpening system. I tell you, I'm getting ready to attack the Japanese water stones. Jim, where can people go to find their pro-level abrasive media for their sharpening needs? Well, Matt, people can go to www.gendaindustries.com, J-E-N-D-E industries.com. And to you guys, there is a promo code. It is B-T-B Trench that for 10% off, (laughs) as Matt clicks that, 10% off. 
most sharpening products and stones. So take advantage of that, guys. And here we are with the history segment. Jim, are you a Glock or a 1911 guy? That seems to be like the big question. <laughs> I'm a I'm a functional firearm type of guy. There you go. So it's pretty My much. Man. So I'm just pretty much anti high point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, but no, I um, I don't have a Glock, but I do want one. Um, I understand that the Glock 17 is very popular. Yep. So um, it's a 19. Yeah, 19 yep. is really hot. Too. Absolutely. Yep. So I just got to, you know, I don't have a 9mm yet. Uh, that is what I train Any, my... Anywhere in your barn? No, I really don't. Um, I even have 9mm ammo because I trained my concealed carry permit with a 9mm. And no then I kidding. ended up selling it later. Oh. <laughs> but... Uh, but no, I want I want something in 9mm. Um, as far as the 1911s I have, I have a... Levens. I only have one. Um, I have a I have a five inch Smith and Wesson A nineteen eleven. Oh okay. And uh, and it was it was custom work for me a little bit. Not really. Well, I bought it custom worked. Let's gotcha. just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. You know, embellish. It sounded, it sounded nice. It yeah. sounded really good. I have a. It's gold inlaid, by the way. It has the Mexican flag on it. I found it. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. So um, much plating. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's just it's just normal. It looks really good. I like it. It's tack driver. It fits my hand perfectly. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I have on that. But I would, but I do want, I do kind of want everything. I'm I, not, I'm not really in either camp. I, I just like the guns. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. I'm a both. I, yeah. I hate Glocks, but I love them at the same time. I, mm-hmm. I carry a Glock primarily. I've since switched to a nine millimeter 1911, but it was custom built. Uh, this one was bespoke. <laughs> this it, one was custom built for me. It's awesome. Um, yeah. but however, yeah. that was just kind of a humorous, uh, segue into the segment because <laughs> all of you Glock guys probably, maybe, possibly didn't know that Aston Glock actually started his career with curtain rods and knives. Definitely one of those moments where when opportunity knocks, you answer the door. That's it. Yeah. So he was making <laughs> curtain rods and knives for the Austrian army, I'm pretty sure, or the Austrian military, I should say. And uh, well, it started as curtain rods, and because of his polymer knowledge and his injection molding process, um, there came a job that came up to bid, and this is in the late 70s, and he answered the call with his version of the bayonet for the Steyr Aug. Mm-hmm. It won, and it got accepted, and that knife was known as the Glock 78. Now, today in my hands, I have the Glock 81, although I've had numerous 78s. The only difference between the 78 and the 81 other than the three years, is the 81 does have a, what they call a root saw on the spine. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, I thought, a really good innovation because it's a non-clogging. It resembles uh, the Robert Parrish root saw on the Mm -hmm. back of his hollow-handled survival knives, uh, except it sands one course. Robert usually did three courses of teeth. In this case, the Glock Feldmesser, Veldmesser, Veldmesser. uh, is uh, two courses of teeth. So, so, So I asked Matt about that right away as soon as he walked in, and he goes, oh, Dude, and he, he his 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 eyes opened up wide, and he immediately grabbed a two by four. He went over to a vice, chucked it up in the vice, and goes, "Watch this." Well, there was a perfect one ninety wide yeah. <laughs> curve curve yeah. in it at this point, and it took him like less than ten seconds to 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 really give it down. I mean, it was huge chips flying off of it. And I would never have thought that something like that would be functional because I always thought it was a kind of a gimmick. Well, this was. It's pretty freaking functional. It works. It works. And yeah. if you're generating sawdust for tinder, if you're notching traps. Oh, yeah. yeah, the tinder's a really good point. If, yeah. If you're notching logs for building a shelter, kind of Lincoln log style, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it really, 
the Aston Glock, Mr. Glock put a lot of thought into this shape and design of the saw in 1981. And that's what brought it to fruition. So all of the polymers that are used in the pistols today were originally used in these knives. And anybody who carries or is a fan of Glock firearms knows how virtually indestructible the polymer is as it's on, you know, standalone, I should yeah. say. Now, that's not to say that if a Labrador found your Glock 19, he couldn't turn <laughs> it into a chew toy in a minute. But yeah, as but we're talking about standard use and standard practice. Canines yeah. notwithstanding, <clears throat> right. this is a, a very, very durable material. So this is kind of like a review slash history. I just thought it was so fascinating. And this is one of my favorite knives, guys. Now, I've been a fan of this knife, you know, I can't say the full 40 years because I'm not even that old, but I can say that close to 20 years ago, I saw my first one. My buddy had just picked it up and everything was so well designed. It's so minimalistic. Now, because this is primarily a bayonet, I would say and go on record that dollar for dollar, this is the best bayonet available on the market because it's so versatile in use Mm -hmm. as a field knife. Yep. Uh, does it have edge retention of M4 or M390? Not even close. No. This is no. 1095 at 55 HRC, but they did that in an effort to maintain the toughness as a bayonet mm-hmm. and as a field knife, as a pry bar, as all these things. Now, yep. there are a couple of myths that are associated with this knife that are, we're talking about in this history segment right here. Um, some of them coincidentally operate, and other ones are just total BS. So people say it has a bottle opener on the spine side of the guard. You'll see kind of this radius protrusion that's bent at a 90 degree towards the tip, as you would see on a lot of uh, either modified or or older style uh, fighting knives. That is not a bottle opener. What that actually does is that engages the rear of the flash hider on the Steyr Aug. So it's actually one of two mounting points. Right. And it does function as a bottle opener although <laughs> as jim and i both know because we do it all the time you don't need a bottle opener to open a bottle you can use the spine of your knife just fine <laughs> um the other myth that is pretty prevalent with this model specifically is that the cavity hidden behind a little plastic cap in the pommel of the knife is for survival wares yep you could fit probably a third of a matchstick in there it's very shallow <laughs> um so it may be a fishing kit you could probably toss in there if you're creative enough you can fit anything in there mm-hmm. i think it's a target of opportunity not necessarily a design with intent because yep. it's real you need another knife to get the friggin' cap out anyways but what that <laughs> recess is for it's a little steel tube that engages on the post on the Steyr Aug to mount the bayonet. So these right. are two bayonet click, mount click. points that mm-hmm. since nobody, well, not nobody, but not as many people carry Steyr Augs as they do a $30 knife, <laughs> they assume that it was for a survival kit and opening your beer bottle in the middle of a survival situation. I, I think I think somebody just discovered that it happened to also be the same trajectory. Yeah, the, the, same, yeah, right. the, the same the same the same uh, lines as you know a bottle well, opener. When you're thirsty, anything will work. <laughs> it's right. right. Yeah. So <laughs> the edge of a table, whatever you got. Mm-hmm. Once you understand the basic concept, everything else flows from there. The interesting thing <laughs> that I found about this knife, other than just I love it, when people ask me, like, what's a good starting knife? You know, for a fixed blade knife, this is it. It's 30 bucks. This is yeah. under $50. This is great for your bug out bag. I mean, it is it's good as a primary until you recognize its shortcomings and move on. So it's like the Mora lacks a little bit that this has, this lacks a little bit that the Mora has and dollar for dollar, you're looking at the same level of quality and performance. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that is interesting to me about this though, is that for 40 years, it's virtually 
unchanged. The only thing that's really changed on this thing <laughs> is the logo. The Glock logo went from being round to the, the version that I have to square. Yep. Uh, it's unbelievable how <laughs> timeless this is and how kind of under the radar. And a lot of people kind of poo-poo it just because it is soft 1095. And no, it's not like the best in any way. But unlike most bayonets, it's ground relatively fine. So a few minutes with your KME or even by hand, and you can whip up a gnarly edge on this thing. Yeah. So, so that is one part. What's also interesting that I thought, and I do have to go to my notes. This is taken right off of Wikipedia. Is uh, how many countries still carry these today? So these are used by Austria, of course. That's uh, of course, and I've of got course. a friend slash customer in Austria, so I thought this was kind of a cool piece for him too. But it is carried by the Austrian Armed Forces. It's also carried in Denmark, Germany, India, Malaysia, Poland, Taiwan, and South Korea. And the South Koreans with their knives, you do not want to mess with because they have got <laughs> uh, some pretty intensive training. If you ever get a chance to watch them, it's it's something else. But yeah, uh, all these different countries from Europe to Asia all carry. Uh, the Glock field knife, the Veldmesser. The, the Veldmesser, yeah. yeah. Pretty sweet. That's pretty slick. Um, another interesting thing in my research, I have to find this. I thought this was insane. <laughs> this is a murder attempt on Gaston Glock. This what? Is, this is tangential, but it's just too crazy okay, okay. to not share. All right. So in July of 1999, and this is taken right off of Gaston Glock's Wikipedia page, but in July of 1999, Glock's tax advisor, Charles Evert, hired a French mercenary to murder Glock with a hammer. <laughs> With a hammer. What? What? In 99. So, like, this guy's designed knives and guns and everything like uh-huh. that. I think your best option is a hammer. Yep. Uh- <laughs> so, <laughs> with a hammer in okay. a car part in an apparent attempt to cover up embezzlement of millions from the Glock company. Oh, no. Although oh. Glock's injuries included seven head wounds and the loss of about a liter of blood, Glock was able to fend off the attack by striking the hitman twice. I don't know with what. Maybe a sock full of change or something. I have no idea. <laughs> the hired killer, 67-year-old Yak Peshur, was sentenced to 17 years in prison for the attack. Charles Everett was sentenced to 20 years as a result of Peshur's testimony. So he rolled on him. But I just thought that right. was, as I'm looking through this, I was like, so how did this knife get the start? This was the genesis of the Glock company that we know is world-renowned for its pistols. Uh, but yeah, it turns out somebody tried to kill him because they were embezzling <laughs> money and trying to cover it up. Also. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, that is that is nuts. Wow, yeah. I, so, I had no idea that that even that that even was a thing. Yeah. Did that like reach like news headlines or something? I would or? assume so. No. Maybe we don't watch enough TV, I guess. Yeah, I but guess. yeah, in ninety nine, huh. nineteen years ago, so. I, I was busy watching Fight Club and The Matrix. Exactly. Nineteen ninety nine. Exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody tried and, and Train Spotting. I think yeah, that was I about Train Spotting. Yeah. yeah, it was the most deep movie I'd ever seen at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's a pretty heavy one. But yeah, I thought so. Somebody hired a 67 year old hitman to kill Gaston Glock with a hammer, and uh, it failed. Unlike that assassination attempt, the Glock Veldmesa 78 and 81 did not fail and are still serving the world's military to this day. So I invite you guys to get one, throw it in a duffel bag. Is it the best knife in the world? No, I would say it's. I would say it's comparable to a. Um, uh, K-Bar, Mark II. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Except mm-hmm. half the price. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's that's about where I would put it. Um, I hope that you guys all get one or at least get to handle one at some point because it's steeped in history that we may not know everywhere it's been or everything it's done, but I can tell you that by handling it, it is just 
one amazing, amazing knife that has got a little bit of history to it. So thanks for listening. And welcome back. All right, we have more harrowing tales from you guys because we had a we had a couple of uh, messages toward the end that we didn't get to see last time, but we thought that they were so cool that we'd absolutely love to talk more about this stuff. So um, the first story is from Thomas Rothrock. So here we go. It's really loud. <laughs> it's still a cool knife though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it. It's a bit long, and hang on, I gotta I gotta reposition my mic here. Hang on. But it is harrowing. It is. It's pretty harrowing. This this is a good story. So, so good on you, Thomas. Thomas Rothrock writes, "It's a bit long, and I'm sure I ramble some, but I always get a chuckle remembering it. My first and only Boy Scout jamboree. The and only. (laughs) That tells you it's going to be good, right? Okay. I was new to the troop, but my folks let me attend a jamboree, including an overnight stay at the scout campground. It was a huge event, and I was rather awestruck at its magnitude." When night fell, there was a giant bonfire after which we hiked back to the cabin our troop had reserved. I had heard some whispers about initiation, but I I had no point of reference with which to frame it, so I had no way to prepare for what was coming. After we arrived at our cabin, our scoutmaster laid down some ground rules and established a few of our older members as being in charge for the night before retiring to separate quarters. When the coast was clear, the older members revealed their plans for us new recruits. They marched the tr- the three of us outside and tied us to the trees, ostensibly leaving us out there for the night. This was to be our initiation. <laughs> well, boy, if that doesn't sound like fun, what does? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. When the coast was clear, the older members revealed their plans for us new recruits. Oh, you I did. said that already. Yeah, you did, yeah. Next, my companions were completely resigned to their fate, but not I. I was one of Harry Houdini's biggest fans. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately began formulating my escape. I struggled against my bonds with no success. These were no ordinary knots binding me to this tree. These were scout knots. Scout knots. (laughs) I love it. I fought a bit longer and finally started to give in to the fact that that I may indeed be spending the night out here. When it struck me, the older scouts never search us before tying us up. I reached down and managed to catch the lining of my pocket. I started tugging until, yes, my trusty scout knife, barely used for more than whittling a stick or two and carving up some soap. (laughs) I kept tugging until I could finally grasp my knife and flicked it open. It easily made short work of the rope, and in moments, I was free. I, in turn, cut my fellow faded recruits loose, and we we began working on our plan for revenge. That was really kind of you. I I don't... (laughs) I admire that because honestly, I was like, once I'm free, I'm killing those MFers. <laughs> like that's where my, I was like, oh yeah, there were other people. I'm narcissistic like that. Right, right. Just like distract them outside their tent. And then when they come back, you're just sitting there. Well, meanwhile, these guys are like, hey man. <laughs> I still tied to the tree. <laughs> Way to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's see, where was I? After an hour or two, we ended up eventually slogging off the trails and through some dense brush. We came across a small road with some small houses on the other side. We had wandered off the reservation completely. <laughs> it ended up that our scoutmasters found out we were missing, and no one had any idea what would become of us. 
A huge search party ensued, and a resident of one of the small houses had spotted us and contacted the campground. It was a grand mess. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I have since I have since seen this very escape technique used in the movie, although I forget which one it was. I can assure you, though, my use of it came entirely from the moment. I will never forget how my trusty scout knife saved me from a night lashed to a tree, only to see me end up the subject of a massive manhunt. Man, a boy hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! It's, it's freaking great, man. That that was awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's that's brilliant. It, it's too bad your navigation skills weren't on par with your knife skills. Yeah. Otherwise, you could have exacted your revenge under the cloak of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like, uh, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So weird. You didn't go back next year, huh? That's right. crazy. That's awesome. All right, so uh, so thanks for t- thanks for that, Thomas Rothrock. That was really awesome, man. Uh, we love these stories from you guys. Um, so we have to talk about whether or not we're actually going to be. Uh, do we do more questions? Do we do more stories? Or uh, do I, we do we do half and half? I think we're gonna, yeah. I think what's going to happen yeah. here is uh, as we kind of shift a little bit. Look, I'll be completely honest with you guys. We talked about this off air when we get bored the chances are you're going to pick up on that and also get bored. So mm-hmm. we looked at things and I was like, you know what, man, the structure is great. Uh, you know, I, I like that as opposed to completely tangential conversation that ends up talking about how to replace the wax ring on a toilet bowl versus being on topic about knives. So there does have to be some <laughs> loose structure, but I also like having a minute to delve into rants and tirades that are related to the industry or to our days in the shop um, you know, try to keep it knife centric, of course, but we wanted to mix it up a little bit. And this was actually Jenna's baby, my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, why don't you ask people about crazy stories they have with knives? <laughs> and some of them can just be having a good time with a loved one as we, you know, put out in the, you know, outlined in the the text that we put forth. But we're going to do both. We're going to do Q&As and we're going to do these stories. And that helps us mix it up. And the more mixed up the more different and ever evolving things are the more interesting that we can make it for you guys the better experience hopefully we can put forth and ever evolving and dynamic content yes, yes we should put that on the website that's right <laughs> we need to get a that's website a marketing line yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there that one's on me yeah so. So, no it's just uh it's just a way for us to have some fun and keep things interesting and engage with you guys we love hearing mm-hmm. what you guys have to say and we know that we jim and i talk to each other all the time the only difference is a we have a microphone in front of our face, and b we have your ears on the end of this wire. You know what I mean? So that's <laughs> right. that's what makes the biggest difference. Uh-huh. So we like engaging and interacting with you guys, mm-hmm. and this is a great way to do it. Plus, it's pretty inspiring. It's pretty humorous. Some of it's crazy. You know what I mean? So I really like this segment. So we probably have enough time allotted that we could do at least one story and a handful of questions in this segment. Oh, 100%. I don't think it'd be a problem. No, no, definitely not. So so definitely next week, be on the lookout for some sort of form of uh, next, either next question. Week. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every yeah. Two so weeks, next, yeah. next week. So even yep. if we post next week, it'll, it'll, it'll be up oh, on the following episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, guys, guys, just to reiterate, we, we love you guys. I mean, you guys, you guys are the best listeners. You guys have the coolest stories. And, uh, and absolutely you can say that because if you weren't listening, you're not the best listener and you wouldn't have heard that. Right. It's <laughs> self-fulfilling, right? You yeah. see that? And you guys are already patting yourselves uh, in the back. You're not even going, we are the best. We you're, are good listeners. You're, you're, you're already going, yeah, we know. 
That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So I do believe, however short, actually we're we're pretty close to on the money. If we were shooting for an hour, and yeah, we're at about no, yeah, we're minutes right now, and uh, that is a podcast. It is a podcast, sir. Have a great night, everybody. My name is Jim Stewart, signing off of Behind the Blade Podcast with Matt Martin doing a smoke dragon. <laughs> That's out the nose and the sides of the mouth That's at the same what she time. Said, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you can check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com slash behind the blade podcast, and our group, Behind the Blade Trench Crew. If you're not in that group, you should be. Facebook.com slash group slash BTB Trench Crew. You can email us if you have a direct question that'll come to both Matt and I, because we're both signed in on our phones at all times. So we will see it Im- immediately. Info at behind the blade You can absolutely check us out right there. And we will see you guys just, next time. Just a quick note we will see it immediately. It doesn't mean we'll answer it immediately. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you guys have a good night. Bye.